Hello and welcome to the Delco Skate Park Coalition podcast. The Delco Skate Park Coalition is a nonprofit organization of skate enthusiasts, parents, and disability rights advocates looking to build adaptive and inclusive skate parks in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Aaron Lopez, and we are the podcast that covers all things about skateboarding, skate parks, and not just skate parks, but ADA, accessible, adaptive all wheels, and inclusive skate parks in Delco and beyond. I am honored to be speaking with Steve Crawford today. Steve is an adaptive skateboarder, snowboarder, and limb loss survivor. Steve shares his story to promote understanding that with adaptations, it's possible for limb loss survivors to grow, develop, and succeed in fun activities like skateboarding and snowboarding. Steve, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So the question I ask everybody who comes onto this podcast is, you know, where are you from and when did you get your first skateboard? So originally from Nashville, Tennessee, but I had a very uh, gypsy-like family of moving around my whole life, <laughs> but Nashville's where I call home. My uh, first skateboard I got the summer between eighth and ninth grade, I was uh, working for my uncle down in Florida building pools, and one of the other owner's sons had an old uh, Habitat deck that he gave me, and uh, it was sick. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that. So it was a, it was old uh, Carrie Getz. Uh, pro model skateboard which he was i loved him the hockey temper dude it was you know he was a psycho but i loved it but uh yeah i got my first skateboard started skating and uh like one of my fondest memories is when i was i flew down there by myself and flew back up by myself but i was in the atlanta airport and my flight was late so i uh down like where they have the the train i remember the tr- like i didn't want to wait on the train so i got on like the moving sidewalks and just skated through the whole airport to my gate you're kidding me. <laughs> Nobody stopped you or anything like that. No that one's so anything. great. <laughs> so great. How old were you about at that time? Were you like 13, 14? Uh, yeah, probably 13, 14, something like that. Yep. Okay. And just in terms of like the skateboarding era, um, was that during the, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands? That was, would have been the early two thousands, kind of like, uh, like CKY era. Okay. <laughs> So as you start skateboarding, you know, what kind of um, skate terrain did you have access to when you were growing up? So actually, so I did get my first skateboard then. Uh, I didn't have much where I lived at in Kentucky, lived in a real small town. So I, I didn't really truly get into skateboarding until I was like much older. That was my first skateboard. The first skateboard I got that I actually uh, was like going to the skate parks and stuff was up in Bismarck, North Dakota. My best, one of my best friends, uh, Robert Savage, he owns Savvy Skate and Snow in Bismarck, North Dakota is the coolest little like a uh, core skate and snowboard shop. But uh, that's when I got my like first skateboard that I actually like got into skating and stuff. And I had access to uh, two, there's a small skate park in Mandan, North Dakota, and there was one in Bismarck, North Dakota. And then we would like drive to like, where was it? Glendive, Montana. I drive like three hours because they had this super sick bowl. Uh so yeah, it was, it was a little bit of drive and not much skate parks and the ones we had were pretty small, but we'd drive around and check them all out up in North Dakota. As you were going to these different places, how did your skateboarding kind of grow and develop? 
Um, well, the guy that got me into skateboarding and snowboarding was savvy. And, uh, he was, uh, like, I was like, I think like late, mid, late twenties at the time. And he was just turned 40. So he's, you know, kind of more old school, uh, trainee skater. So that's definitely, you know, what I adopted was a, a more of a, tra- a transition type style. You know, I like riding in bowls and was not much of a good street skater. <laughs> I've never had good foot skills or good, uh, have been good at flip tricks or anything like that. I just like to, and then now I'm like more of a pump track guy. So pump tracks and bowls. It's a good time. Oh yeah. And about snowboarding, when, you know, kind of did the, your skateboarding and your snowboarding sort of come into focus in your life around the same time? Yep. So is when I started working at the shop, I had never snowboarded before. And I started, sk- so I helped actually, I should, uh, I'll have to send you like a video. So we, uh, I, I met Savvy and, uh, as soon as I met him, he was like, Hey man, I have a skate shop in Bismarck. And it was like an hour and a half away from where I lived. I worked four days on four days off. I was going through a rough divorce and I needed to, an outlet, you know? So he invited me out there. I hung out. I was going to hang out for a day and skate and help him build the skate park. But I ended up staying there all th- four of my nights off. And, uh, it ended up being a pretty cool, uh, start to finish of helping him build the skate park in the back of the skate shop. And, uh, like right after that, I started snowboarding that uh, first season I was there. So so your friend Savvy has a skate shop in Bismarck, North Dakota, which I can imagine I haven't been to North Dakota just in terms of, you know, going to skate spaces, but there's probably not a whole lot of skateboard shops out there or snowboards, maybe more snowboard, but not as many skateboard shops. There's and really he- not many of either. Like a lot of people get their like snowboards at Shields. There's, there's not many. And he actually just shut it down a few years ago. He was open for like 13 or 14 years, but it was like the only core shop that I knew of in uh, North Dakota at the time. I didn't go to like Fargo or like Minot or my, I've been to like Minot and stuff, but I didn't go check out their skate shops or anything like that. But there was only one in Bismarck and there was none in the other town I lived in in Dickinson. So they were very far and few between. And you guys work together to build a, like a place for you to skate in the back of that skate park or sorry, that skateboard shop. Yep. And it was, it was, <laughs> it, was like, it was so rad. So, uh, oh man. It, so I used to like set Tyler growing up. So look, I was learning how to build ramps for my first time. And it was a super like flowy, surfy little transition skate park. Um, and I, that's where I like just learned everything I really know about like skateboarding and snowboarding from was from savvy, but, uh, it was super cool, super fun. Uh, I used to say, Oh yeah. So I used to set tile. So, and we made our own pool coping. Like we had molds, we'd mix our own concrete. We'd like water treat the, the coping for like 10 days, I think it was. And, uh, but after we built all the ramps and stuff like that, I went in and there's like always like two layers of, we did two quarter inch, uh, layers of plywood when we were building the ramps on top of the skeleton. And then I cut off the first layer and I actually had like, a they're like little, like half, half inch by half inch mosaic tiles. And we, I actually put tile underneath all the coping. So even though it was wood ramps, it had like a, a bowl feel to it. And it was just super sick. They were, they were stoked. And it was like the only indoor skate park, or, you know, there was in like Bismarck that I know of. I don't think there was anything else like it. So it was really cool. And it like, there's a, a huge like native uh, or indigenous American population up there and stuff like that. So it was really cool that like all the kids and youngsters got, got to come in there and Instead of like out like being shitheads and stuff, they had a place to come and skate and be with their friends. Tell me a little bit about some of the kids that came there to skate. Mm-hmm. Anyone, yeah. We normally like like you know if they're like a little bit older, we like you know like five bucks you can come all day and stuff like that. But if they're like you know kids coming, there's a lot of like 
low income housing developments around Bismarck, especially like that part of town and stuff. And the kids came in, you know, we just, you know, here you go, man, have fun, wear a helmet, <laughs> be safe. Yeah. How often would these kids keep coming back? Like, did they find a community for themselves in this skate space that you guys created? Oh, most definitely. Like the shop in itself was like a, a cool space for people to come, like bring like the skaters together in North Dakota. Like everyone was always hanging out at the shop and stuff. But then when we built the park, it was super cool seeing all the youngsters like back there, just tearing it up. Oh my God. This sounds like such a cool space and a really cool time in your life too. It was very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, when I moved to Colorado from North Dakota, I uh, got a job at like this one ski and snowboard shop and that, you know, it was cool and stuff. But then I ended up working at like um, the, my tie for first favorite skate and snowboard shop ever. So, um, I was working at BC surf and sport and park meadows and it was such a rad shop, such a, like everyone that worked there was cool. It was like a huge family. Uh, but I had my motorcycle accident and like everyone that worked at the shop came to see me, you know, all my like skater snowboard friends and stuff like that. And, uh, they were all super supportive through the whole thing. And like, I was super, I can't remember, like there was a capita clinic, a snowboard clinic, like a, like five days after I got out of the hospital, I still had like a wound back and like was in a wheelchair and stuff like that. And I was like, dad, you got, you got to drive me. I can't miss this clinic, but I was back to work. Like three weeks after I got out of the hospital, just like, I mean, obviously on a bunch of painkillers and stuff, but they were like, dude, come on back. We miss you. We know you need this. So it was, it was really cool being able to still like go work at the shop, like rolling around in my wheelchair, you know? How old were you when, when this happened, when the, this motorcycle accident occurred? Uh, 29 or 30. From that recovery, about how long did you spend in the hospital? So like the first time it was like, like seven or eight days the first time. And then I like kept going back for surgery and I had always had appointments. Like I was going to, it, it was a lot of appointments and they like worked with me and worked around everything, which was super cool. But it was like till from the time I had my accident till I was like walking on a prosthetic was like nine months. Yeah. And so you sound like you really stayed connected during your physical recovery to the skateboarding and snowboarding community. Oh yeah. The first, so <laughs> they did my amputation on Thursday. I got released from the hospital Friday. Um, and then Saturday I drove to the skate park and I had like my, they call it a stump shield to protect you if you fall to like, so you don't like bust your stitches up and stuff. But like, yeah, like two days after amputation, I was at the skate park on one leg pushing around on my crutches. <laughs> like. <laughs> Okay. I have to ask, was anybody like, oh yeah, there's Steve or was anybody like, whoa, what's going on? Or, you know, <laughs> like everyone at the skate park was stoked. Uh, I told my clinician about it and she was not as stoked, but she just was like, <laughs> oh my God, you're going to give me a heart attack, you know, but it, she was, she was stoked too. And it was, it was pretty yeah. cool to be able to do that and be with my friends and just like be on a skateboard, even, you know, if I had to push around on crutches. So like as soon as I had my accidents, like right before like the snowboard season, I was super bummed. I was like, just wanted to shred and stuff. So it was very cool being able to like get back on a board. Like the whole reason I like amputated my leg was like, they told me if I kept it, I wouldn't be able to like skateboard or snowboard or run again. Primarily skateboard and snowboarding though. I was like, well, uh, let's cut it off, man. You know, I, I definitely want to be able to do the things I love yeah. and if I would, like, kept my leg. I think it would have probably hindered me, you know, more than a prosthetic would. So they, it sounds like they gave you some pretty, like a really discreet choice. 
Like it's this or that. When you started to recover, it sounds like skateboarding is a part of your recovery. Mm -hmm. That and snowboarding, like just boarding in general, for sure. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, I, I found my passion. Like I fell in love with my passion, like and found it like very late in life, you know, compared to a lot of other people that start skating at a super young age and stuff, you know, but uh, yeah, I, that's, that was the goal, man. I was like, to get back on a board that was like from day one from my accident i was like fuck man am i still gonna be able to ride you know actually i did all my uh physical therapy when i still had my leg because they were trying to save it for a while and then they amputated it and i asked my clinician i was like you know like do i need to go to like a because there's all these places like you can go to like a look at like an inpatient uh, recovery place and all this other stuff. And I asked like my clinician, I was like, you know, do I need to do that? And she was like, no, man, like put it on and walk. That's the best way to do it. You know? So I uh, bought like a bicycle. I started cycling and stuff, which was like, a, I think contributed like hugely to my recovery and stuff, you know, like being able to get back to like walking without pain and just uh, walking for longer periods of time and, that like everything I was doing was like working up to being able to like ride again. So did you, you know, go to the skate park for the first time with your board? Like, okay, I'm going to try to get on this with both feet today. Or, you know, how, how did you kind of develop and grow that, that transition back to being able to ride your board? So I had, I had to wait a little bit after I actually got my prosthetic because my knee was pretty jacked up after the surgery. Like they kept like putting rods in having to cut my knee open and push. So like my knee wasn't actually, it was just, everything was just super loose and it's still kind of loose, but I had to wait to get like a socket with a knee brace built onto it. But yeah, like the first day I got it, I was like, well, I'm going to go to the skate park and I'm going to, you know, just push around. And like, if I can push around, I'll be stoked, you know? So sure. Shit. I went to the skate park, pushed around and it's, uh, it's definitely like very skateboarding is like probably honestly, like the hardest thing I have to do, uh, with a prosthetic that I did before. What challenges you about, um, skateboarding now? Um, just, I think the, like not having an ankle, it's a lot different and stuff. That's why I definitely, and I'm like, you know, getting my goal in life right now is like Paralympics for, uh, snowboarding, uh, for board cross and bank slalom in 2026. But, uh, so I've been like, like, uh, transitioned to pump tracks, you know, which has been super sick. Like, I mean, I like, just pumping around going fast and doing like bank turns and stuff. And it's cool, but like definitely the hardest thing is just from like, like I ride a uh, goofy and I push with my back foot, like most people, you know, and, but just the, not have the, the underfoot feel has been a mm -hmm. little, like it's probably the, the weirdest thing about skateboarding with a prosthetic. So. Do you find the same sort of challenges when you're out there snowboarding? Hmm. Not, not so much. I think just cause my legs are strapped in, you know, uh -huh. it's just the actual, like, uh, like the pushing and going like back and forth, you know, and like having, since it's not, uh, attached to the board, like kind of feeling the right, putting the right weight on it, you know, is like that, that's kind of was a, a struggle at first. So that's like having to learn that was like probably like the biggest thing that made it like challenging. So now you talked about just a little bit about you're looking toward the Paralympics. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, kind of how, you know, since you started snowboarding again and skateboarding again, how your trajectory in these sports has changed? Um, well, like this, so, uh, I, the skate shop here, I, I knew, uh, Chad Otterstrom, he owns Academy snowboards. He'd come in he's like the raddest, like just legendary pro, but, uh, 
so I like talked to him and, uh, or I sent him a message like the day I was like in the hospital is during COVID couldn't have any visitors. And I was like, uh, one of my surgeons came in and kind of told me like, but my options, I was like, well, I'm gonna cut my leg off, man. Uh, so I sent Chad a message and I was like, dude, I want to go to the Paralympics. Like I'm going to lose my leg. I was like, I want to go to the Paralympics and fucking shred, man. So he linked me <laughs> up with a, a gold, a Paralympic gold medalist, uh, Keith Gable, and he won the golden, um, uh, board across the Paralympics before the last. So I've uh, been talking to him and I just, you know, went, went in before I had my leg amputated, talked to the ortho surgeon that was going to do it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do a Paralympics, man. That's, that's what I'm going to do. And I've just, at first, I didn't know if it was like realistic or not and stuff, but I just kept telling myself, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And it's been cool. Like I kept telling myself that kept, you know, even though I like had like some uh, second guess myself and had like some self doubt and stuff like I just kept working towards it. And then, you know, the more you work towards it and accomplish those like small goals, the more I'm like, man, this is attainable. This is real. Like, this is what I'm going to do, man. That's so awesome. Yeah. So what's kind of on the horizon for you with the Paralympics? How, are you still training? Is it is it an upcoming event? Okay. So yeah, so I've actually, so I met Nick and uh, Nick and my good friend, Bernie. I love those dudes. At, uh, so Nick Ludwig, who's part of our Delco Skate Park Coalition. Oh, he's the man. I'm actually wearing my slash and burn shirt right now. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, yeah, so I, I met, I, I started last year. I started, I was like, well, I'm going to start doing these banks hauling races. I'm going to sign up. And it's been pretty cool because I've been the only, up until like I had my friend that's another, she's a double amputee come to this, this last slash and burn. But last year I did three races. I was like the only adaptive rider at all of them. And it was cool. I felt it out and stuff. So I also compete in jujitsu, uh, Brazilian jujitsu too, which is pretty cool because like, I don't wear my leg when I compete and I compete against all able-bodied athletes. So it's uh, <laughs> so badass. <to> keep. <laughs> That's amazing. So now, so, uh, I've been in touch with, uh, a, a race team. I've also like made a lot of other, uh, Paralympic friends that are like, have been to several Paralympics and like all different sports and stuff. But, uh, it's been really cool, like meeting all these people and getting a ride with people. And they're kind of like, Hey man, like, you know, you got what it takes. You just need a little training and stuff and more time on the course. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> <That's super laughs> fun, you know? like, who doesn't want to hear that? But, uh, so it's very encouraging and stuff, but yeah, now, so I've uh, been in touch with adaptive action sports at Copper mountain next season. The plan is to go, train with them on their race team. And then, uh, I got to save up a shit ton of money for all the plane tickets and stuff. Cause next year the goal, I have to get a, what do they call it? Like classified. You have to go to a doctor to like verify that you're disabled. Weird. I know. <laughs> I mean, I guess for some disabilities maybe, but yeah, so I have to go to like Netherlands or Canada for that one of the two. And then, uh, gonna so get that on you have to go out of the country to get that verification. Yep. There's only the Netherlands or Canada, I think is like the only two events they do it at every year, okay. which was fine. So it's just something I have to do, but, uh, going to get, do that, get on the circuit next season and try and, uh, get on the world cup circuit if I can next year. And those all are Paralympic qualifiers and hopefully do good next season and get picked up for the U S Paralympic team is the goal. I don't know if it'll take a year or two, but you know, that's <laughs> the goal is next year to crush it and get on the team. <laughs> Has anyone approached you about sponsorships or is that something that's available for the Paralympic athletes? There, there, so I, I am like, uh, sponsored by like a few different, like super rad companies, like prosthetic companies that are going to help out with like the training fees and stuff like that. And I still, uh, I don't ever, 
I know if I, like I did a GoFundMe, I could like do because I'm I bartend. I know a shit ton of people and stuff, but I just if I'm raising money, I'd rather raise money for other people, you know. But I'm definitely looking into sponsorships and like doing research on like if it's like a tax deductible to like sponsor an athlete and kind of figuring it out because I have to. Yeah, it's gonna be really expensive, but getting all my ducks in a row and picking up like as many shifts at the bar and might get a second job this summer so I can make it work and get over to Europe and do all those races next season. That, that sounds like a really incredible experience for you too, to be able to get over there to Europe. I mean, I'm totally rooting for you, <laughs> like totally rooting for you, but, um, but tell me what that would mean to you to, to be able to go to Europe and, and do those races over there. Oh my God. It's like literally like losing my leg is like making my like wildest dreams come true. Like being a, a, you know, somewhat sponsored athlete now, like very, you know, just, just getting into it, but it's it's a cool feeling, you know, it's cool. And I'm excited to see where it uh, goes. And uh, hopefully once I get like, like, I love helping people. I love volunteering and stuff like that. And I think it'll be like, I'm doing it for me. It's like my personal, like legend. It's like my, that's what I have to do. I have to go to the Paralympics. Um, but I think once I get like some accolades and stuff, it'll be cool and a lot easier to like raise awareness and help other people, you know, and it's not the end of the world, man. Like the, the strongest organ in our body is our brain, you know? And I like before my accident, I was a real bad drug addict and I was going nowhere in life and stuff. And it was that like, it was the, you know, thousandth second chance of life I've had that I like was like, man, I'm not going to go to waste. So it's been cool. Like, like hopefully I can, share with people and help them, you know, realize like, you know, like you can change your attitude. It doesn't take getting, you know, being a drug addict and going from like one extreme to the other, you know, like, I just want to show other people that, you know, like your attitude is everything. And, you know, like losing a limb is not the end of the world, you know, like that's what I tell, I like snowboard and skateboard hard than I did before. And they're like, what the hell? I'm like, dude, they're either going to fix it or cut it off. And I'm still going to figure out a way to do what I love, you know? <laughs> so. And it sounds like your perspective on, being able to get to skate park, being able to get on the slopes, being able to do races, meet people has, has changed. And it sounds like, you know, the attitude that kind of carries you through is that one of just kind of being hungry for it and hungry for that experience. Being hungry for what I love, you know, like it's, it's a, uh, it's cool, man. A lot of, I think a lot of people too, are maybe you're like, once they lose their limb or like afraid, they might not be as good at stuff, but I mean, like, dude, the coolest thing about like skateboarding or snowboarding is learning new tricks, man. And like, this gave me an opportunity to like learn everything for like my first time again with one leg. So like, it's in, it might be intimidating to people at first, but like, dude, like if you, the feeling you get, like when you land your like first Ollie and stuff like that, like, guess what? You get that feeling all over again. Cause you're landing your first Ollie on one leg, you know? That's so badass. That's amazing. Was there anybody that kind of stood out for you as being like pretty influential in helping you um, develop and learn those skills, develop more confidence in being able to get back on a skateboard and snowboard? Um, so like whenever I first had my leg amputated, my one of my best friends, Morgan Mary Young, I used to live with him up in North Dakota. But he showed me this video of this. Uh, he's like a Green Beret warrant officer that was like an above the knee amputee and has done like four or five deployments back as a uh, above any amputee, like spec op stuff. And I was like, dude, that is the most badass motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I was like, I want to be a badass motherfucker. Like I do yeah. shit on one leg better than two leggers can do, you know? And so that's just, I just, yeah, I wanted to like, I just, I mean, I, I take inspiration from so many people, you know, like, I mean, you can learn from everyone, but you know, I try to, when I can, but yeah, yeah. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> very, very lucky for my support support group, my huge network of friends and family. I've been 
I'm eternally grateful for all their, you know, encouragement and stuff. So. Hey everyone, this is Nick Ludwig. We need concrete skate parks here in Delco, and I'm working with the Delco Skate Park Coalition to help us reach that goal. If you want to find out what you can do to help Delaware County get concrete, ADA accessible, and inclusive skate parks, please go to our website at www.skatedelco.org and find out how you can support the mission of the Delco Skate Park Coalition. Thanks. What are some of your, you know, like your favorite skate spaces? Ooh, so my favorite skate spaces around here is there's Railbender Skate Park in Parker, and it is super rad. Um, Greenwood Village, uh, there's another skate park there. It's pretty cool. Right next to the cop shop, though, which is pretty hysterical that they built like a skate park right behind the cop shop, the police station, you know? That's interesting. You don't see that too often. No, man. So, <laughs> no, but they're like never over there, but it's a super rad skate park. There's always like rad people at all these skate parks. There's a uh, just so many in Colorado. The pump track I like is up in a uh, Broomfield, kind of near Boulder. That like, there's not many pump tracks like around anywhere, you know, like that are actually paid for skateboards. A lot of them are just for like mountain bikes and whatnot. Yeah. But, but I mean, there's, there's so many. There's like Arvada here. Uh, what is the other one? There's one in Aurora called, uh, trails that one is super sick tell me what you like about that skate park what are some of the features you know what does it have that makes it a great skate park for you so me i like a skate park with just like huge bowls uh like to just you know loop around and stuff like that that's what i look for when i go to a skate park and trails has a ton of bowls um the boulder skate park is just like super rolly super surfy um same with a park the one in parker railbender it's like a huge bowl so yeah that's what i look for when i go to a skate park is big bowls man (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it sounds like those are skate parks where you know there's a lot of square feet it's a big space Mm -hmm. yeah colorado has um as a state it seems like i haven't been to check out those skate parks but it sounds like they've done a really really nice job of developing these beautiful skate spaces are you, um, when you go out to these skate parks in Colorado, are they often like pretty packed? Are there a lot of people there? Like what's the community like at some of these skate parks that you're going to? So in the summer, they're definitely packed. Um, like on the weekends when school's out, you know, you have all those fucking scooters all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I definitely try and go like in the middle of the day when everyone's at school and it's pretty pretty mellow and then I am a very a psycho I love the cold I I love like freezing so I don't mind if it's like 30 degrees I'm like sick like it's not wet there's no snow rad you know but yeah I definitely try and get there when it's not busy especially because I'm still relearning stuff and you know I don't want to be in people's like I'm sure they wouldn't mind but you know I just like kind of when it's empty and you can just do whatever you want you know like I still have not like mastered like dropping in on like vert and stuff again I need to, you know, grow my cojones for that one a little bit, I guess. <laughs> don't, don't we all? That's yeah. a rough, like, that's rough any day, but yeah. But I definitely still like a shallow roll in is definitely helpful at first. I mean that, and that, that's for anyone adaptive or not, yeah. I think like, for getting at it, like learning it and stuff. So, but yeah, that th- th- I have had to be a little more cautious now and like, cause I don't definitely don't want to injure myself more. <laughs> so. Right, right. Is there a part of you that um, 
is thinking about what types of features are are kind of what work best for you now at a skate park. Um, same, same for me. I, I just got to, and like, you know, working my way up towards, you know, like, like first off was like learning how to pump, uh, you know, back and forth in mini ramps. And then like, you know, like, you know, get back to like doing rock and fake rock to fake ease and stuff like that. So yeah, but yeah, that, that's, that's just my personal is like, like mini ramps and, uh, and bowls. So yeah. Afterwards I started small, like at Parker, they have this like little, like kind of kidney or like peanut bowl or whatever, you know? So I started in there, like just getting in, uh, like, you know, putting the tail ass or my ass into my skateboard on the coping and, you know, dropping in and stuff like that. So I pretty much like progressed like the same way I did before. So it was nice having like the smaller features to get me back to the bigger features. Yeah. So it sounds like as you were, you know, coming back into it, developing your skills, you gave yourself that space to not take on something big right in the beginning, but, you know, take it in increments, small steps to progress back up to things you wanted to be able to do. Most definitely. And so I don't know if you saw the last podcast I did for Relentless Pursuit, but I talk a lot about like, um, like set your your dreams, like set your goals, like, you know, have that like huge thing that's going to take like a, you know, like, like everything's realistic if you like work for it, you know, but like you set those like big goals, you know, but then you got to like take the little steps, you know, like on the way and you got to appreciate it. Like the, every time you like accomplish that little thing, like, oh man, like I, you know, was able to drop in on this little one, like you work your way up. So it's just like, you know, like the short-term, mid-term, long-term goals is I'm a, huge believer in that. And then like, you know, giving yourself a, a pat on the back, like acknowledging when you do, you know, accomplish those small ones, they're small, but you're still accomplishing something and working towards your, you know, long-term goal. The small goals matter. I, I sometimes feel like they matter more than that mm -hmm. big thing you're trying to get to because the small goals just seem to keep you on track. Yep. And that's, what's getting you to the big one, you know? Yeah. Is there any part of you that's thinking as you're on this journey down the road, you're going to kind of be in that role of coaching someone else someday. Oh yeah. That's, that's my goal is like, hope, like I was saying earlier, like when I get those accolades and can make like, you know, try to make as big of an impact as I can now, you know? And then I think once I have that, I'll hopefully be able to make a bigger impact and help people like going through the same kind of stuff I have gone through and like, like put out a resource. Cause it's like kind of hard. There's not many resources of like what you need to do to get to the Paralympics. Like you have to like, no Paralympians and get a, in touch with these race teams and find out, but like, you know, make that. Wait, so uh, there's like no website or something like that, where you just kind of like, yeah, do these steps. Like, it sounds like you have to figure it out by talking to a, people. Yeah. There's like a lot of steps and like, just figuring out like which races are qualified. And there's still like, I am still like, just barely on like, uh, very new to that and learning all that. Like this week I'm going up to get some training in with the race team. So it'll, I'll be learning a lot more. Cause you have to like, sign up with this association and then like do these races and like there's different circuits that work up to like the world cup and those are like uh paralympic qualifiers and stuff so there's a lot i still have to learn and figure out but whenever i get there and stuff i i want to yeah help people in my situation get to the paralympics and you know get to shredding on skateboards and snowboards again so tell me about some of the races for snowboarding, right. That you have coming up that are going to get you toward that goal. So, um, I do. So this next week and I actually have another bank slalom race at winter park. Uh, and that'll be, that'll be super rad. It's, uh, you know, that one, they do actually, it's the first like open one that I've been to. They're, they're going to actually have an adaptive division. 
So that'll be cool. Oh, wow. So that's, is that a first that they have an adaptive division or has that happened before? Or So this is actually like the, the winter park one. This is the second year they've done it. And they have like a huge adaptive program at winter park, Colorado. Uh, but yeah, so this is the first year they've done an adaptive one. And at that particular race. And I was like talking to Bernie and stuff like, Hey man, we should do an adaptive division next year. Slash and burn. I'll get some more of my, uh, amputee homies out here to tear it up, man. But, uh, so, but yeah, so, uh, it'll be cool. But then next season is when it, all those, uh, getting on the different circuits and stuff will start happening and stuff. And then like after Monday or Tuesday, I will definitely have more info and be able to tell you a little bit better of like the, the steps I have to take. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of the, um, the, the focus for adaptive athletes is, and, you know, we've seen this in other areas too. Um, some of the other adaptive skaters that I've talked to that this is still pretty kind of new, um, Mm -hmm. for a lot of these sports and, and it's pretty uncharted territory if you're looking to get to that next step. And, and it sounds like that's what your experience is now. Yes. Yeah. You worded it perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) you know, as, as you're going through this experience, like, are you kind of keeping a, a sort of track of, you know what, this, this is, this is something down the road that I want to address or focus on, you know, this is how I'd guide somebody else. Yep. Uh, that to that, like guide someone, like give them like the information they need and like have the answers for them, you know? And, uh, also like eventually like, cause getting to the like just before I even get on, once you get on like the U S Paralympic team, then they like pay for your travel and all this other stuff, you know, but like getting to that point is like really, really fucking expensive. So, uh, like in the future, I want to be able to like help people financially, you know, like, uh, uh, help them like chase their dream in any, you know, if I can help in any way, that's what I want to do, you know? Yeah. One of the things that strikes me, about what you're saying is just, you know, how determined you have to be to get to that end point of making it to the U S team mm-hmm. is a lot of your, just your time and energy right now, just kind of focused toward that goal. It is. And it's like in, in different aspects, like in different ways, but it's all t- like focusing on that. Like, I, you know, I'm like working more shifts, like being like, super thrifty um like like every but everything in my life is like consciously like working towards that yeah next season when i'm on uh adapt the adaptive action sports team i'll have like all the resources because all those people like uh amy purdy she's like been to the paralympics she's like meddled and stuff and there's a lot of other paralymp like paralympians that train there that go to the paralympics and stuff and have all this knowledge and stuff and like this week it'll be cool like getting to go up there and it's like free training with them this week getting to know the team and uh it'll be the first time actually riding with a lot of the or anyone on that team so it'll be cool them getting to like kind of evaluate where i'm at what i need to work on and stuff and getting a lot of insight from them this week so that's awesome or, you know, your, your closest friends, people that you're getting to know are, are just really supportive and kind of part of this journey with you. Is that kind of part of what's keeping you grounded, moving forward, reaching your goals are these, these people that are in your life, like through skateboarding and snowboarding? Absolutely. Yes. Like, uh, oh man, the, the support I've got from all my like border friends and like all the people I've met in the community is just like, it's been very encouraging, you know, like, uh, it's been super cool. Like, you know, like when I first met Nick last year at the race and then like got in touch with you guys and like, he sent me the stuff from chaos skateboard. So it's been a super 
the people I've met and it's just like, I've been all, you know, I also think it's like I had to put out good, you know, like good kind of comes back mm-hmm. to you. So it's been um, amazing. Like, honestly, like since I lost my leg, I've never been happier in my life. Like all the people I've met and stuff and like the getting it, encourage or inspire other people and then like they're turning around doing it right to me or encouraging inspiring me you know to be my best which has been super rad yeah and you sound like your your focus too is paying it forward in in ways that you can which is which is totally awesome you know and I ask everybody this question but I always like to get the perspective of someone who's got that lived experience why it's so important for communities to invest in like inclusive skate parks that are accessible to to anyone oh man it just it brings it, like this the skateboard community is like hard to describe to people that aren't in it but like the it's such a cool tight-knit group like i mean when you're at the skate park like every you know like you land something you know people see you trying they see you eating shit and then they see you <laughs> land and people you've never met in your life are rooting for you and cheering you on and giving you encouragement you know smacking their boards on the fucking <laughs> ground and you're like i'm stoked man sick so uh yeah, like the the skate, just the boarding community is so rad in itself. And th- those spots are super important, especially places where there's like, uh, I mean, if a lot of kids aren't like sitting there like skateboarding and stuff, they're going to be out like, you know, like when I was a kid, I was out shooting out windows with BB guns and fucking breaking glass bottles and being a little shithead, you know? So it's it's cool. It's good. It's great for kids, man. You meet friends, meet people, all different walks of life. You know, it's <clears throat> a very like uh so many different it's a culturally diverse like environment every skate park i've ever been to you know and it's cool it just brings people together and yeah make a lot of friends oh yeah i mean you see like all the the ladies on their roller skates out there doing like rad stuff which i like never saw when i was younger they're amazing Um, I, i think it's just important you know like especially like a lot of times it like you know where you're growing up and stuff you're like in your bubble you know and you go to the skate park and there's just like so many different walks of life you know and it kind of it's cool it's like just getting you used to like you're like learning about other people like getting used to being around other people you know you know everyone's different every culture has like different you know quirks or whatever you know but it's cool man it brings a lot of people you got yeah the roller skaters you got the scooter kids you got the skateboarders the bikers and stuff and it's i think it's pretty cool i think it's very important for uh us adults you know to like set a good example for the kids too like you that's huge you know like that's one thing that i like will freak out on us as like you know older guys being shitheads in front of little kids at the skate park i put my foot down for that because you know you gotta those little kids look up to us you know they think you're rad they're like oh man look at these older dudes like i want to be like that when i get older and stuff so you know like it's important to set a good example yeah i think a lot of stuff definitely like you know a lot of skaters are like rough around the edges but they're just like surprisingly like uh soft and like warm and like good to like kids like they're you know Oh my God. I, I saw this guy at one skate park I was at and he had just come off a ramp. He was going super fast and this little nugget couldn't have been more than like four was coming on, a, a, you know, just into his, you know, the space he was going into and he just scooped the kid up. So he didn't run into him and like slowed down and very gently put him back on the ground. Like he was amazing, but you know, he, he looked like he was probably rough around the edges on most other occasions. And it's just kind of, yeah, really good heart, really kind individual, you know, very nicely gave kid back to the mom. And, you know, you might want to watch him a little more closely when he's here in the skate park where there's a lot of really good skaters going around. I think the biggest thing is the parents of the skate parks so those young kids need to 
keep a better eye on their little munchkins. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) I can't agree with you more on that one, (laughs) especially when it starts to get busy. Just did an interview with a guy who has um, a skate park in Pittsburgh called Switch and Signal, and it's an indoor skate park. He's totally rad dude. And he was talking about when he has like a 12 and under skate like session at this indoor skate park, the parents can come and skate for free because he's like, that's the only way they're going to get it, like, which was really cool. Yeah. As, you know, as we kind of start to wrap up the interview, Steve, is there like anything that you think that, you know, you would want people to take away from, you know, kind of your experience, understanding anything you want to share about, you know, your experience with skateboarding, snowboarding, and just being an adaptive athlete at this time? Um. Yeah, I guess for especially people that are, you know, new to limb loss, new to being an adaptive athlete, like, don't be afraid to fall. Don't be afraid to fail. Like, don't be afraid. Like if you're interested, interested in something, if it's something you did before or something you never tried, you want to do like skateboarding or snowboarding, try it, you know, like you have to, it's a, it's good to be humbled. You know, it's good to fall. It's good. You know, like, uh, you know, nothing, you know, easy is like worth having, you know, like it's, you got to work for it, man. And it's a, it's a great feeling. Yeah. So Guess that's what I'd say. I don't know if oh I my god, that is so well said. I I could not agree with you more. It's kind of good to be humbled. <laughs> oh yeah, it's very yeah. good. Keeps you in check, man. Keep your head. I'm getting too big, so definitely. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story with us. I'm really grateful to you, and I I hope lots and lots of people listen to this episode. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Hey everyone, this is Jeff Amon. If you'd like to support the mission of the Delco Skate Park Coalition, go to their website at www.skatedelco.org.